Um, before I get going, though, I need you to help me out. We're going to try something. We're doing creation, and I want to create a memory, hopefully, with you guys. And, and to do that, what I need you to do is look deep within yourself, and we've got to get in touch with our inner rhythm. All right? I like music. Music and I... We sort of, Courtney has to put up with me singing as loud as I can all around the house, whether it's opera, whether it's the contemporary swing, anything. I give anything a crack. She loves the country. When, when I start singing Garth Brooks, she goes off. Um, some of you might not know who Garth Brooks is, but Neil and I have a Garth Brooks thing, and um, yeah, we like Garth Brooks. So um, bear with me, and we'll get in touch with our inner rhythm. So what I want you to do, if you can click... If you can click, can you just go... Got to do it all at the same time, otherwise this won't work. That's it, beautiful. All right, I'll leave you clicking. Good, good. Now, while you're clicking, what I want you to do is search for your jazz face. All right? Everyone has a jazz face. You may not know it, but everyone has a jazz face. And to... Not quite like that, Jar. But <laughs> the way to find your jazz face, and this is how I describe it, the way to find your jazz face is if you've smelt something really bad, but you kind of like it at the same time. All right, so it's all... All right, you got to do that. There we go, keep clicking. All right, now I'm going to get in touch with our friend Frank Sinatra. Here we go, we'll see how we go. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby kiss me. And then there's a the whole interlude, keep clicking. Fill my heart with song, let me sing forevermore. You are uh, something, something, our worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you. Thank you. Give yourselves a round of applause. We have just created history because we have just recorded a song illegally on a podcast. It's not a good thing, but hey, we didn't use any instruments or anything like that, and I did stuff up the words, so we'll get past the, the copyright material, I think. But that's all right. We have just created something. As a group, we have just created something. And throughout our life as adults, we sometimes lose some of our creativity, or we just focus our creative juices onto one thing. Hold that thought for a second. On, I've got to get this date right, otherwise nothing's going to work. December 21, 1968, three people made history. Three people, James Lavelle, William Anders, and Frank Borman, were launched into the history books. They were the first guys to go up and circumnavigate, I don't know if it's called circumnavigate in space, but they circumnavigated the moon. 
And one of the transmissions that they gave back to NASA was sort of televised. I think it's more of a still picture, and then they've just put some audio over it. Let's see if we can get that video clip up. Thanks, Brad. We are now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Interesting, isn't it? The first thing that these guys transmitted back was the first 10 verses of the Bible. The first 10 verses of the creation account. From their mission, there is one of the world's most famous pictures of a half sort of eclipse looking earth. And it's the big, uh, I think it's Big Blue Planet or something they've called it. And it's printed and it's in many galleries around the world. But they, they took this photo and said they felt the smallest they had ever felt. But it was interesting, the transmission, that they just started reading Genesis chapter 1. And that's where we're going to head today. We're going to read the whole chapter of Genesis chapter 1, just so we can get a bit of a glimpse of what we can pull out of it. So, if we can get that up onto the screen, that would be fantastic, and we'll get going, because we've got to get through it. And it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness, and called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening and morning on the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate from water. So God made the vault and separated water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. And God called the vault sky, and there was evening and morning on the second day. 
And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and he gathered the water, um, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and, uh, and trees on the land and be- uh, that bear fruit sorry, with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and morning on the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light from the earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater to govern the day and the lesser to govern the night he also made the stars God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth to govern the day and night and to separate light from darkness and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day only got a couple more days to go And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it um, according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water... what? Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds um, and according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I'll give every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath, has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and morning on the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. It's a bit of a story. We've heard most of it um, throughout the years. No matter where you've come from, you've heard some type of creation. And I found I was very excited to be doing the first run at this seven days that changed the world because 
my occupation before any of this had started was a designer. I, I was a graphic designer, built websites, all that kind of stuff, made posters and leaflets, you name it, I had a crack at it. And one of my friends that I studied with went over to the United States and made it big over there. He designs handbags. Go figure. I've got no idea what goes into a design of the handbag because I've got no idea. I don't want to go into it. I don't know what's in it, but it always has to go everywhere. And, and he designs it. He's very successful and he designs it. This particular bag was his pride and joy. It wasn't a handbag. It was a laptop bag. And he actually bought, I don't know why he had to buy it, but he bought for himself this, this laptop bag. And it had his laptop in it, and he used to travel everywhere to get new ideas. You go around looking at stuff to get new ideas. So he jumps on a plane, and as you do, as you're going through security, you have to pull your laptop out, and it's a bit of a process. You have to pull your laptop back, and when you pull your laptop out, the whole papers go everywhere, and then you have to pull all them back in when you get through the security thing, and it's just annoying. As I said, just got back on a few flights around the place and we had to do exactly the same thing. Now, I refuse to take my laptop nowadays. I just take an iPad. But you still have to rummage through your bag and try and find this, this iPad that's gone down the bottom of your bag. So you're pulling everything out and you've got, you got your um, pens and stuff going everywhere. You've got jumpers. You've got um, blankets for the flight going absolutely everywhere. You're holding up the security line. You feel like you're in the way. And this is what he felt like. And so he was sitting on the plane, staring at his laptop bag, thinking, how can I improve that? And then it dawned on him. It dawned on him, I'm going to put a zipper on the bottom of the laptop section. Done. Fixed. Beauty. Great idea. And so he takes it back to his company, sits down with his brains trust and says, we're going to fix this bag. We're going to make it 10 times more usable just by putting a zip at the bottom of it. One of the minions that he works with said, you can't do that because it's not the top. And, and my designer friend goes, well, I am the head designer. I'm going to pull rank and we're going to develop these bags. So that's what they did. They developed these bags and it is now the number one designed laptop bag in the United States. All because there's a zip on the bottom. And you know how he got away with it? Their bag doesn't have a bottom and a top. It has two tops. That's how they market it. Two tops. The creativity in that guy's head to realize and look at something that was just a bag, to turn it into the best-selling laptop bag in the United States of America, all by putting a zip on the bottom to convince people that there is two tops instead of a top and a bottom, phenomenal. And this is what we have God doing right now. He looks out from wherever he is, sees normality, and goes, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change what's going on down there. We look around the world and we see different expressions of this laptop case. And, and you'd have your own sort of things that you look for when you're looking around the place. I, as a designer, my mind thinks a little bit differently to mo most people. But you, I look at it and go, I wonder how they did that. Oh, yeah, I can see that and I can see that. But we have numerous things around the world that are awesome in design. Fantastic. Best things that are designed ever. But do they really serve a purpose? Do they really serve a purpose apart from for that designer? 
Let me change track here. Have you ever bought something, spent hours looking for it, and the next day, oh, I don't quite remember it like that. I don't, I don't quite remember it fitting like that. Um, let, me, let me get into a bit more of an example. Shoes. Shoes. Shoe shopping. I hate it. Even shoe shopping for myself. I hate it. Um, I've got a size 11. And, and you buy a pair of shoes and it feels great in the store. And you're walking around and you do the one shoe, one sock thing and you're walking around. Girls look in the mirror. The boys just go, yep, that's good. Go up to the counter. The girls sort of go, oh, yeah. That can go with that sort of dress and I can wear that on three days of the week and I can wear the other ones two days a week and then that way I get more wear out of my shoes. Stuff like that. And you walk around the store and then the next day you put your shoes on and you do a whole day in them. What do they feel like? Worst decision ever made <laughs> to buy those shoes. Another one. Have you ever bought a car? and then realised a month into having purchased the car, it's the most uncomfortable seat you've ever sat in. Just because you're making a decision on that instant moment. But there's a difference between buying and creating. There's a difference between buying and creating. The amount of intimacy that goes into creating something is beyond all intelligence. There's, 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 I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. If I was the designer of that car that I just said was uncomfortable, I'd love it. If I was the designer of these shoes, mate, they're the best shoes in the world. You need a pair, Cam. On sale, athlete's foot. Get into it. But there's an inti intimacy that, that is there when you create something and it functions together perfectly. Example, the giraffe. The giraffe is a ridiculous creature. It has really long legs, it has a really jumpy body, it has a massive neck and then a head. And if you read the newsletter last year, I did an article on the giraffe. And that if a giraffe bends its head down to drink a bit of water, its head should blow off because the amount of blood pressure that's flowing through its veins to get up to the brain to actually get the brain to do its thing, the amount of blood pressure that is in there, if it bent forward, it just increases and goes Poof. Its head should blow off, realistically. But it's not, it doesn't. It has valves all the way down its neck. And so when it reaches this point, this valve kicks in. When it reaches this point, this valve kicks in, so on and so forth, all the way down, so it can have a drink of water. Intimacy in design. It was created that way. One more animal, and I didn't had no idea about this animal until I went to Singapore Zoo. We went on a night thingo, tour, safari, something like that. And there's this animal called a slow-moving loris. You get a chance, Google it. Funny as um, these things, they're, they're about they're about a possum, a bit smaller than a possum. They got big legs, and they're sort of like a sloth, but not a sloth. But you can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to get from point A to point B, but they just can't. And it's, they move literally like, I'm going to go get that bit of fruit. Just a second. And that's it. That's how they move. They literally move as slow as anything just to get there. But the funny thing is about the animals, they're venomous. 
They are, they, they are the most, ven well, I think they're the only mammal or something that's venomous. But when you think about it logically, if something saw it coming, you just get out of the way of it because it moves so slow. Slow-moving loris, check it out. These things were designed for a purpose, but they're, they're little intricacies. The intimacy put in to that design is phenomenal. So we have a God that spoke life into existence. We have a God that said, let there be light. There was light. We have a God that said, let the, the waters and the earth separate. And then we have water and dry land. We have moons and stars and skies and everything like that. We have a God that created life with intimacy for a purpose. For a purpose. He also, we have a God that created something for the beauty of it, for its beauty. Sunset, sunrise, waterfalls, mountains, seas, everything. You have experiences where you go, oh, magic. Starry skies, when, oops, sorry. Starry skies when you've got no lights around you and you look up and you've got the Milky Way flying across. You've got satellites that are cruising through. You've got the perfect look when you're looking up and it's just beautiful. There's no words to describe it. We try to with beautiful. We try to describe it with magical. We try to describe it with so many different things. But we have these experiences that God provided us for beauty and intimacy. In Singapore as well, that's a problem with me traveling. I get lots of stories and then I have to try and get them out. Um, they have these garden domes in Singapore. And what they are... are, are architect's dream and they're just literally big domes of of glass perspex whatever framed and everything like that but inside them they have full living gardens so the engineers have gone crazy and they've they've taken the humidity out of the air and put humidity in where it needs to be and in one of these places there's got a full-on waterfall and you can climb up to the top and climb down beautiful beautiful but doesn't go anywhere near the beauty that God created on that first week. Seven days that changed the world. I'm trying to... I had so much, and you know, I was complaining to Courtney last night, I had so much material that I wanted to share in this one sort of sermon that I'm trying to skip between, and I'm sorry if it feels a bit disjointed, it does to me. But Genesis 1 gives us an insight into God's creativity. Genesis 1 gives us an insight into how he creates. As, as a designer, when I was taught the strategies of design and all that kind of stuff, we're taught to start with sketches on a page. No. God decided, no, I'm going to do this on a big scale. I'm going to go start with light. <laughs> Let there be light. <laughs> there was light. God starts on the other end of a design scale. God starts at the end. How cool is that? We have a God that goes, let there be light, there is light. Whereas we as humans don't have that grand idea. We don't have that, that array of thought that goes, yeah, I can just go straight to the end. We need to process. And that is brilliant. He, he gives us snippets of what to do. We need to pay attention to how he does it. We, sometimes we need to jump in. Sometimes we need a bit more, bit more intricacy in our detail. 
For example, let there be light. Bang, it was there. The rest of the week, he made, did stuff in an order so it would work. He's given us an example of what we need to do. He's given us an example of, yeah, we need to sometimes jump in, but sometimes we do really need to plan it out as we design. As we're reading through Genesis, you noticed at the end of the, each little section it says it was good. And God saw and God said it was good. And, and it gets down a bit further and it was good. It gets down a bit further and it was good. The author of the text isn't telling us yet it's, it's good or he hasn't got a study. He didn't just, he just doesn't say it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us that what we do is different from good. We have all these words, um, glorious, fantastic, awesome, um, marvelous, all of them to describe what we do. And then we have in the Genesis account, God created the whole world and it was good. If, if that's good, I can't meet good. I can't attain good because God created the world and it was good. I'm doing all these little things and it's, I say it's good, but it can't relate to the same level as good. And that's ridiculous. As in, what a word, good. Not great, not grand, not wonderful, good. Think about it. We used to play cricket, indoor cricket. Um, a few of the boys here and, and we used to do all right sometimes. But amateur athletes are like this. And I'm guilty of it. Because every time you go home from cricket and you've done all right, you know, I got four wickets tonight and, you know, we got run outs and all that kind of stuff. We scored 40, 50 runs. Never. But we'd, we'd, we'd sort of go home and go to our mates. Yeah, we, we smashed them. We did it. We, we, we annihilated them. You should have seen this shot that I did. I, I rocked back on my back foot and then, no, that doesn't work in one, um, indoor cricket. I, I drove the ball straight, straight up the pitch and it got a seven. And it was awesome. But then here we have the author just saying that creating a world was good. You see the, where I'm going with this? Creation. Hang on, let me rewind in my head. The way that we describe our talents. The way that we describe our talents is marvellous, great, wonderful, fantastic, amazing. But what we're describing when God created the heavens and the earth is his essence. What we're describing when God created the heavens and the earth is God's being as good. And later on in, in, the, in the story of creation, we have God creating mankind. And we're created in his image. He physically got down, molded us up, and then breathed life into us. And it says it about five times in there that we are created in his image. In his image, we are created. He created man and woman in his image. When he breathed that breath of life into our nostrils, into our lungs, and, and gave us life, the blood started to flow. We got up off the ground. When he did that, he put his essence, his being, his image into us. 
And by doing that, we are therefore good. We are therefore good. We have the talents to do all the amazing and all that kind of stuff. But in essence, our essence, our soul, our life, us, we are good because we are designed in his image and his essence. And so therefore, we are an extension of him. We are an extension. We are, we are literally the extension lead. We are good. When you design something, as I said, you usually do it in a step-by-step -step process. You start at the, the very nuts and bolts and you end up at the wow factor. And it comes and it becomes a part of you. Everything that comes from you comes from you, your essence. Everything that you create comes from you, your essence. Everything you attempt becomes a part of you, your essence. So doesn't it make sense that when we're created in the image of God, we inherit his essence, we inherit part of him, we inherit his image, and therefore anything that we create then becomes an extension of that. So therefore, wouldn't you want to reconnect? Wouldn't you want to reconnect? Wouldn't you want to be connected to a God and His essence if He can speak the world into existence? Wouldn't you want to be connected to an environment that extends on that and so draws you closer to the character on which we were created and, and that then expands within us? Some scholars say that when God did the whole moulding of the human race and then leant down and breathed that life into the dust. It was the most intimate moment in the world. It was the first kiss of the human existence. It was an intimate moment. If, if I walked up to Brenton and got right in his face, I'm not going to, but if I got right into his face, that would be an intimate moment. When, when, when people get married and they've done all the signing or whatever else and the, the, two couple, the couple can't stop looking at each other, they forget there's a crowd, they forget whatever, and the minister says, husband, kiss your bride. The most intimate moment that starts off a relationship is the same intimate moment that happens here. It is the same intimate moment that when God leant down and breathed into our veins, there was an intimate moment that transferred his image across to us, that, that becomes one. We are one with God. We are one with God. As we live our lives striving for moments like that, where we're intimate with God, where we can share his nature, where, where we have all this essence flowing around us in everything that we create. We put each a little bit of ourselves in that. And we continue on our lives saying it's marvellous and all of that. But as you read through the end of Genesis... As you read through the end of Genesis and he's created everything, he's breathed that breath. The last little snippet of the book of, of that first chapter says, and it was very good. God just spoke light into existence by saying, let there be light. 
God just said, separate there, build that, do whatever, animals come up. You're a funny-looking loris thing. And he said it was good. All that amazing stuff. I've just created the universe. I look out on it. It's good. I've just created human man in my image. I've breathed life into it. I've had an intimate moment with it. And then all of a sudden, there's another little word that pops into the sentence. It was very good. No matter what you say, no matter what happens, that intimate moment that started way back then still happens today. No matter where you've gone in your life, no matter what bad stuff happens, in his eyes, that intimate moment still sticks. In his eyes, that creative genius that he passed on through to us on that week of creation, he still looks at you and says, you're very good. You're not smashing. You're not fantastic. You're very good because you are an extension of my image. Let's pray. Father God, um, I'm just pausing on a Sunday morning to hopefully connect with you and through my mumbling and bumbling and and I've got no idea but Lord I just pray that the spirit has worked this morning and that some sort of message has gotten across that you know what I wanted to share and I hope that it got across and Lord I just give this room over to you I give our our children's ministries over to you and and this year at Refresh we just pray that, that it's your year and that this is your church and you want us to create as you did. You want us to, to be intimate with each other. You want us to experience your essence through the people we come in contact with. We love you lots, Lord, in your name. Amen.